welcome. This is the UC Santa Cruz News Roundup podcast, where we talk about the latest news and research from UC Santa Cruz. In this episode, we'll be talking about a COVID hero, telling the stories of the girls of color in California's Central Valley, a peripatetic mammoth. You know that word? You know that word? Wandering mammoth. <laughs> the prodigal uh, mammoth. The, the mammoth this, that won't sit still. This mammoth is mammothly uh, active. Oh, boy. Anyway, um, we'll it's, talk it's, about... It's, it's too active. It just yeah. stands still, laddie. <laughs> we'll talk about rejuvenating the aging brain. I don't know, if you know the word peripatetic, then I think your brain is probably okay. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. Could you call um, it 50 cent word? I, well, I like 50 cent words. I like them. Yeah. Okay. Give me them syllables. And we'll be talking and, and we'll talk about some more stuff too. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm fairly interested in hearing about this aging brain story, aren't, aren't you? I'm fairly interested in hearing about the aging brains of peripatemic. <laughs> peripatemic. Oh my well, God, well, I that, epidemic okay, if it's a mammoth mind. brain, it's super aged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're talking like advanced. All right. Uh, well, we are, of course, social distancing still. I guess I could stop saying that, can't I, Dan? Because Is that what we're doing? I just thought I was just hiding in a garage with my bunnies. I guess I guess social distancing is, is, is a that's a nice sort of sanitized way of saying it is, isn't that I'm it? Getting a little bit bug-eyed from social isolation. That's quite a euphemism. It's like the 2020 word. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I could stop saying that, though, because our loyal <laughs> listeners now know that after like almost a year and a half, you and I are recording from our houses, our garage, our living room, and not from our glamorous Scotts Valley office. So, so um, but, you know, I guess for the sake of any new listeners, which I'm sure we have many of, um, I yeah. should say one more time, forgive any poor audio quality or random sounds in the background as we get you the podcast, even as the quickly changing and fluid environment of the pandemic continues. Yes. Fluid as our aging brains. Um, fluid and the peripatetic pandemic continues. <laughs> oh man, I am not gonna try to say that fast. I'm your co-host, Gwen Jordanay, and I'm an editor for UC Santa Cruz News. I'm your other co-host, Dan White. I'm a writer for UC Santa Cruz News. All right, let's dive in. Speaking of COVID, we have uh, a COVID-related story, and we have a 2021 Outstanding Staff Award winner. Michael Luttrell, this year's winner, worked hard to keep the campus safe during a, what, as we know, what was a chaotic year of pandemic fears and the devastating 2020 wildfire in the Santa Cruz Mountains. The Outstanding Staff Award honors a staff member who's gone above and beyond to provide distinguished service to students, staff, and colleagues. It's so great to see staff honored like this. Mm -hmm. So what did Mike Luttrell do to earn this award? Pretty incredible. Um, he really earned this. Not only did he maintain his focus, good humor, and resiliency during COVID, but also he even did that while he had to actually move out of his house to temporary housing when last August's CZU lightning complex fires, remember those, <laughs> threatened his home in Boulder Creek. Unbelievable. So tell me more about this guy. How is he able to do so much? I don't know. He's, he's incredible. Um, 
as the campus op campus's operations and logistics manager for COVID-19 testing on, on campus, Luttrell oversaw a team that administered close to 100,000 COVID tests for students, faculty, and staff. And that team even included 66 students. But the amazing thing is that wasn't even his job. What? <laughs> he was he was head of operations <laughs> for UC Santa Cruz Conference Services, which um, he managed programs that that brought like about you know 10,000 visitors to campus every summer for camps, conferences, retreats. They have them, you know. They since students aren't there, they they um, utilize the space for these things like. There's soccer camps, there's a cheerleading camp, there's various conferences. When COVID barged into our lives, it, of course, brought a temporary end to all those in-person conferences starting in summer 2020, last summer. So Luttrell was redeployed to the COVID testing effort. And as if that abrupt job change weren't enough, he also had to contend with the, the fires, the CZU Lightning Complex fires, which, as you remember, torched. 86,000 acres in, in Santa Cruz and San Mateo counties. The fires forced Luttrell, his wife, and their then one-year-old daughter to evacuate from their Boulder Creek home for 39 days. Unbelievable. So, and he, he just continued doing that, that new job the whole time. Just amazing, incredible resilience and determination. And we totally applaud Michael and his much-deserved Outstanding Staff Award. We'll be right back. Hey slugs, the fall quarter is coming up fast. Don't forget, UC policy says that you must upload your proof of COVID-19 vaccine to the UCSC Health eMessenger system in order to live, work, and attend classes on campus. The deadline is September 9th. It's super easy, takes about a minute, and you can do it right on your phone. Get started over at go.ucsc.edu forward slash COVID vaccines. UC Santa Cruz graduate student Roxana Villalobos recently won a National Dissertation Scholarship Award from Sociologists for Women in Society that will support her research with Latina girls in rural California. The scholarship will give Villalobos $18,000 in funding for her project. Villalobos is, is pursuing a doctoral degree in sociology with an emphasis in Latin American and Latino studies. Her dissertation research will compile an ethnography inspired by her own experience of growing up in the Central Valley community of Parlier, California. It sounds like her own backyard is really informing her research. So what is an ethnography? Yeah, okay, I was wondering that too. So <laughs> it's, it's the scientific description of the customs of individual peoples and cultures. So that kind of helps, helps me uh, understand what it is. And yeah, uh, Villalobos is the proud daughter of a single mother who immigrated to the US from El Salvador and spent more than 30 years working in the agricultural industry. The ethnography project will feature interviews with young participants from similar family backgrounds in order to explore how rural spaces influence identity formation for Latina girls in rural California. Villalobos will also examine the relationship between spatial and social mobility, looking to explore how internal migration from 
rural to urban contexts shapes upward mobility for girls of color. I ultimately want to enhance the lives of these girls and the broader communities they come from because I saw how much inequality and disparity there was growing up, Villalobos says. He says girls of color within the US have a unique perspective on the challenges of rural environments, yet their stories often go untold. The Central Valley is a region that produces billions of dollars of wealth through agricultural business, and yet the labor force is living in poverty, Villalobos said. Where are the stories of the girls of color who grew up in these spaces? And what can they tell us about what's going on in this country in terms of immigration and migration and the exploitation of the working class, particularly how that's feminized and racialized? This seems like an amazing project and I'm really looking forward to following Villalobos's work and seeing where her research leads. Okay, and there are more research results to look forward to, if I don't forget, oh. that is. <laughs> UC Santa Cruz is leading a novel study of the aging brain in collaboration with researchers at UC Berkeley and Stanford University. Funded by an approximately $2.5 million grant from the National Institutes of Health, the five-year project will allow scientists to track changes in aging brains over an extended period of time. When I am so thankful, I'm going to find out why I can't find my keys or my wallet or my cell phone, or the note that tells me where these things are. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? Wow, well, okay. I don't know if it'll help you with those things. I hope so, but um, we definitely need to know about this as people of a certain vintage. Yep, I, you know what I love about it, person with a certain age, since there's no actual <laughs> number with that, I can always say, yeah, that's that older guy over there. Not me, not me. I know. So, what will they be doing exactly, Gwen? <laughs> okay, so as we grow old, inflammation in our brains can become excessive. In low amounts, this inflammation acts as a helpful immune response, I guess, but too much can impair cognitive function and lead to declines in processes like memory. So the researchers at those institutions, UCSC, UC Berkeley, and Stanford, are working together to find and neutralize the factors that cause these declines using mice as models. They're looking specifically at changes to blood composition and how immune cells in the brain and central nervous system called microglia alter cognition with age. Lead investigator Yi Zuo, a professor of molecular cell and developmental biology at UCSC, said she never expected to study aging as part of her neuroscience work. But, you know, these things get interesting. But maybe because I'm getting older, my parents are getting older, I have more and more people whose real lives are affected by aging, she said. Zuo's lab specializes in the study of synapses, gaps between nerve cells that electrical or chemical signals jump across. The synaptic connections allow us to think, move, and feel. Altering them changes the brain's abilities. The scientists hypothesize that as we age, chronic inflammation leads to microglia destroying important synapses. Oh, okay, that makes sense. To combat this process, they designed a treatment consisting of the hormone oxytocin and an inhibitor for an inflammatory pathway. The team will watch how the cocktail affects the brain over time, as well as look for differences in the way the blood of old and young mice impacts inflammation. In addition to studying changes in synapses and inflammation, 
Zuo will also measure behavioral shifts in the mice, testing processes like memory. The length of the grant, um, as I mentioned, it's uh, five years, will allow the team to examine these physical and behavioral results over multiple years. And hopefully their research will be able to, <laughs> to help you and me, Dan. <laughs> I am looking forward to this. In fact, I can't remember when I've looked forward to something so much. I Right? Exactly. Oh. I can barely remember yesterday. Yes. Yep. Anyway, um, okay, that's it for me. What's on your news radar, Dan? Well, the, this is the news that I can recall. Okay. So you know it's really... <laughs> Right, it's fresh. Ancient mammoths, Gwen. We know we know that they're gigantic. They were. Yeah. They have these big old tusks. But uh, we're getting some fascinating new information that tells us that ancient mammoths really got around. What they got around? Uh, those big, lovable, shaggy creatures covered a lot of miles in their lifetimes. That's the conclusion of a scientific team that studied the remains of a seventeen thousand-year-old mammoth and found out that in the course of its life, this tireless creature covered enough of the Alaskan landscape. So it works out to be the equivalent of walking the circumference of the earth almost two times. And Gwen, I looked it up, the circumference of the earth, it's almost 25,000 miles. So I'm just speechless about this, Gwen. I mean, mammoths are huge. So who would have thought they were ultra marathoners so many times over? Yeah. I mean, that's, I had no idea that they could walk that much. That's incredible in a couple ways. First, that a mammoth could travel so far. And secondly, <laughs> that the scientists could even figure this out. So how do they, how the heck do they know that this mammoth traveled as far as it did? That's a really good question because, you know, these things have been dead for a long time. So you couldn't right. put like a telemetric collar on them, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, the scientists did this by examining that 17,000 year old, I should say, fossilized mammoth's tusk. Mm. The fossil, by the way, is from the University of Alaska Museum of the North. Now, Beth Shapiro, professor of ecology and evolutionary biology at UC Santa Cruz, led an analysis of ancient DNA preserved in the mammoth's remains, which provided additional insight into the animal's life and behavior. Now, the mammoth's lives are fairly mysterious because they've been dead for so long, so we don't know that much about them, but that's why it's a really big deal. The study is really the first evidence that these creatures could travel such vast distances. An outline of the mammoth's life is detailed in a paper published August 12th in Science. Now, it's not clear cut if this particular mammoth was a seasonal migrator, but it covered some serious ground, according to a University of Alaska Fairbanks researcher named Matthew Wooler, which I'm sorry, he probably gets teased by this, but I think that's kind of hilarious, Wooler, woolly mammoth. Um, Matthew Wooler said the creatures, <laughs> I will, okay, I'll say that one more time without laughing. Matthew Wooler said the creature visited many parts of Alaska at some point during its lifetime, which is just amazing when you think about how big that area is. Yeah, so you say they use the tusks to figure this out, but what does that look like? I mean, how would you go about studying a tusk for this purpose? Well, it's a super complicated process. First, the researchers split. This is sort of painful to read. You take oh, this precious, yeah. you split the tusk 
lengthwise, revealing its growth bands, which apparently look like interlocking layers of ice cream cones, oh. that kind of a cone shape, providing a sort of working diary of the creature's life. Now, from splitting the tusks, they're able to generate what they call microscopic data points, 400,000 of them, revealing an astounding amount of info. For instance, scientists know that the mammoth died on Alaska's north slope above the Arctic Circle, where its remains were found. Mm. Now, researchers pieced together the mammoth's journey up to that point by analyzing isotopic signatures in a tusk from the elements strontium and oxygen, which were matched with maps predicting isotope variations all over Alaska. Beth Shapiro's analysis of the mammoth's DNA allowed this scientific team to know for sure that it was a male that was related to the last group of its species that lived in mainland Alaska. Those details help researchers interpret the data, the isotopic data. For example, an abrupt shift in the mammoth's isotopic signature, ecology and movement at about age 15 probably coincided, this is sad, Gwen, with the mammoth getting kicked out of its herd. Aww. Get out of here. Mirroring a pattern seen in some day, uh, some modern day male elephants. I thought it might say mirroring a pattern seen in some modern day, you know, young people. <laughs> I believe the herd. Very sad that it might have been kicked out, Gwen. And it's, if I'm understanding this correctly, the data even suggests the animal might have starved. Aww. But you know what? Maybe it had been kicked out of the herd and maybe it starved. But you know what? It sure got in a lot of sightseeing during its lifetime. <laughs> True. So good on that mammoth. And I just think it's incredible what they learned from the tusks. I know. Tusks tell tales. And also in the scientific realm, I really want to talk about the grand achievements of Nicholas St. Fleur, a 2014 graduate of UC Santa Cruz's uh, legendary science communication program. He received the 2021 Evert Clark Seth Payne Award from the Council for the Advancement of Science Writing. It's the top annual prize in the United States for science journalists aged 30 or younger. So the younglings get this prize. St. Fleur is a reporter at STAT, S-T-A-T, which is a health and medicine news site associated with the Boston Globe. He received the award and its $1,000 prize for four STAT stories. And just to give you a brief sampling of his award-winning writing and reporting, he wrote a story about Black university leaders urging their campuses to join a COVID-19 vaccine trial. And then there was some swift, intensive backlash that illustrates some historic mistrust uh, from Black colleges and universities as they faced to, see, to seek to leverage their legacies of trust within African-American communities to bolster lagging Black enrollment in COVID-19 vaccine clinical trials. Mm. He also looked at a Twitter thread that revealed the quote-unquote utter chaos that happened early on when people were scrambling to get their COVID shots. I'm sure you remember that, Gwen. Yeah, I do. And we're scrambling to convince people, you know, certain holdouts to get their COVID shots. Um, and he wrote a moving story about the late incredible actor Chadwick mm -hmm. Boseman. Uh, he said, Chadwick Boseman's tragedy is America's tragedy. Uh, in colorectal cancer hotspots, young men are dying at higher rates. Um, he also had a, an article said, watch an unusual 30th birthday gift while I got a colonoscopy so young and documented every step. 
which is great that they did it because there are way too many deaths from colon cancer. So what an impactful. Yeah. Uh, so he is really an impactful writer who is just really going places. Yeah, he definitely has like a flair for hot button stories. Um, so what, do you, what was it about his writing and reporting that really stood out for the judges? Well, they, they really singled him out for the fact that he covered such fresh ground with his stories, particularly on topics around race and medicine and research. So I think mm. it's not just the fact that he's covering these hot button topics, but from really unique, impactful angles. Uh, St. Fleur was also... Uh, recognized for exploring issues of race while being unsparing yet respectful in his storytelling. I'm wondering how much of this incredible skill set he picked up on the job and how much he learned while studying at our uh, great science and communication program. Well, it sounds like he did have a really good experience in that program at UCSE. I think it was just a necessary step for him. St. Fleur said it nurtured my curiosity and set me onto a path where I can share the humanity behind every science story. I will forever be grateful for the journalistic foundation that has given me. Now, uh, St. Fleur was first inspired to pursue journalism after watching medical correspondents cover the devastation of the 2010 earthquake in Haiti, the country where his parents were born. He came to UCSC after first earning his BS in biology from Cornell, where he was science editor of the Cornell Daily Sun. And during his graduate studies in Santa Cruz, he trained as a reporter through internships at the Monterey Herald and the San Jose Mercury News. And after graduation, he held internships at Scientific American and NPR. My goodness. <laughs> then worked as a staff reporter at The Atlantic and The New York Times. And wow, we to remind you that this is someone who's under 30, my goodness. The, uh, the <laughs> yeah. Clark Kane Award was created to encourage young science writers by recognizing outstanding reporting in all fields of science. My goodness, what, a, uh, what an achievement. Wow, um, and I'm sure we'll be seeing his byline a lot. I am sure we in will. In the years to come. And his peripatetic we'll byline will follow be, us. He'll be all over Alaska. incredibly proud. Um, yeah. That is, that is incredible. That's, that's great. Very cool. Well, thank you for telling us all about that. That's it for this time. That's pretty much uh, all the news we have for this week. Good as always. Well, if we could remember. Yeah. If we, all the news we could actually remember, mm. you know, hopefully that aging brain story will, our, our <laughs> research will <laughs> happen quickly enough for us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good as always to have you with us. Stay safe, stay healthy, slugs. We hope to see you soon, sometime soon, and we'll catch you up with the latest news next time. See you soon, everybody. All right, bye.